calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Welcome to the serialized audiobook of The Starter, Season 3 of the Galactic Football League series, written and performed by Scott Sigler. The Starter is also available as an ebook and as an ad free, unabridged audiobook. For links to purchase any version, visit scottsigler.com slash The Starter. With a heavy heart, Quentin walked through the insane colors of the touchback's Sklorno section. He'd heard that the Sklorno saw a wider range of the spectrum than humans, and also saw far greater detail in each color. A jersey might look red to a human, but to a Sklorno, that single shade could look like 20 or 30 unique colors. The Sklorno knew they saw more than the other species, and were constantly trying to communicate the splendor of their natural vision to the other races. That was the reason, presumably, for the atrocious uniforms of the Sklorno League in Tier 2, as well as those of the Alamum Armada, the All Criminals, and the Chilich Spider Bears. This part of the ship looked vastly different than the simple subdued tones and or orange and black patterns of the human, heavy G, and administrative sections. Maddening patterns of electric colors covered everything. Blues, purples, reds, yellows, greens, oranges. Some colors were so thick and dark they looked nearly black. Others were so bright you couldn't really look at them without squinting. Such was the oddity of the Sklorno. Clear bodies with no color, yet they surrounded themselves with a living and incestuous palette. The colors did little to lift Quentin's mood. Yesterday, he'd had to say goodbye to a teammate. Today, time to say goodbye to two more. Akhenatak was dead. Shunanwan was a bust. The Krakens had no running game and something had to be done. Quentin walked to Scarborough's room. He'd called ahead, asked Denver to be there. Denver, of course, had squealed with delight. As an official member of the Church of Quentin, Denver would probably do just about anything Quentin asked. He reached the oblong door to Scarborough's quarters. Quentin hung his head and closed his eyes. It wasn't too late to let Coach Hokor handle it. Just five minutes ago, Coach had said it wasn't Quentin's job to deliver such news. But Coach was wrong. Quentin's voice was the final decision, and he would live with the consequences. He lifted his head, squared his shoulders, then took a deep breath and let it out in a rush. He knocked on the tall, narrow door. He meant to knock three times, but the door opened after only two, and his knuckles whiffed on empty air. Scarborough stood there, shaking. Behind her, Denver bounced up and down, left and right, emitting unintelligible chirps of glee 
or maybe, of rapture. At least Scarborough could stay mostly still. The maturity of her age, perhaps. Quint, 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 Scarborough said. She was too excited to pronounce his name. Her desperate intensity made him feel even smaller, even more like a backstabbing scumbag. Quentin Barnes! Denver screamed from behind Scarborough. The younger wide receiver, just nine years old, started bouncing off the left wall, then the right wall. Quentin Barnes! Quentin Barnes! Quentin Barnes! Okay, that's enough, Quentin said. Denver, please calm down. Calm down, calm down, calm down, calm down! Denver said. Scarborough, can I come in? Quint, she said, then turned and grabbed Denver shoving the younger player further into the apartment. Quentin followed them in. The door shut automatically behind him. He looked around, realizing that this was the first time he'd been inside Esclorno's quarters. It had been such an accomplishment just to practice with them, to let them help him grow as a quarterback. Actually socializing with them? Well, that would have been too much too soon. Once again, his mind reeled at how much he'd changed in such a short time, and how those few short months actually felt more like a dozen years. A mad amalgamation of colors coated the apartment walls. Patterns, textures, solids, stripes, dots. There was no beginning and no end. Combinations ran from the wall to the floor, or to the ceiling to the walls. Some of it might have been art, Quentin didn't know. Whatever the thought process behind the colors... The insane combination gave him an instant headache. The high ceilings made him feel short, a nice break from many parts of the ship where he had to duck his head. He followed Scarborough through the hall into what must have been a living room to find not only Denver waiting, but also Milford, Mesquitic, Richfield, Stockbridge, Tiburon, and even the massive Awa sisters, Wahiwa and Halawa. None of the Sklorno could sit entirely still. The younger ones didn't even bother trying, just jumped up and down, nine bodies with transparent skin showing the black skeletons and fluttering hearts beneath. He'd come to have a talk and wound up at a church revival. His soul shriveled up a bit more. For the Sklorno, anything he had to say held the importance of life or death. Denver and Scarborough's friends had come to watch, to celebrate whatever glorious piece of information that Quentin was to bestow on the two. But he wasn't here to bestow glory. Ladies, Quentin said. I appreciate you all being here, but I need to speak to Scarborough and Denver alone. Milford fell to the floor, maybe passed out. Quentin didn't know. Tiburon shook so violently that her raspers unraveled and started flinging drool all over the apartment. Quentin turned his head and held up his hands to block the spray. Okay, okay, he said. That's enough. Everyone but Scarborough and Denver out now, please. The muscular, long-legged body started filtering past him down the hall and out of Scarborough's quarters. The Awa sisters carried Milford. Tiburon managed to make it out on her own power. Quentin heard the door hiss shut, leaving him alone with Scarborough and Denver, alone with a legendary receiver and the talented youngster that Quentin had met at the Combine. Here it was, not even halfway through his first Tier 1 season, and he had to say goodbye to both. They waited each looking at him with four eye stalks that twitched in anticipation. He wanted to change his mind, but he couldn't. The future of the franchise rested on this decision. Time to get it over with. I have some bad news. You've both been traded. Quentin would always remember that moment. Remember the instant that through Scarborough's translucent skin, he saw her blood stop flowing. The all-pro receiver swayed for a second, then slumped to the ground. 
Denver's four eyes looked at her, then swung back to Quentin. Quentin Barnes, Quentin Barnes, Denver said, her big feet prancing in place. We have been trained in what? Quentin watched Scarborough, wondering if he should call Doc Patah. Quentin Barnes, Denver said. Trained in what, Quentin Barnes, Quentin Barnes? There, a flutter. He actually saw Scarborough's oddly shaped heart restart. Translucent blood once again coursed through her body. Her tentacle arms pressed against the floor, and she slowly pushed herself up to kind of a sitting position, folded legs all askew. Denver looked from Scarborough back to Quentin. Trained in what, Quentin Bonds, Quentin Bonds, Quentin... Stop, he said. Denver froze stiff, her only movement coming from the eye stalks that swayed like Medusa's living snake hair. Not trained, Quentin said. Traded. Even the eye stalks stopped moving. Traded? Quentin nodded. Yeah, both of you. To the Jupiter Jacks. Scarborough passed out again. Denver started to shake. Coach Hokor the Hook Chest thinks I am unfit to catch the holy passes of Quentin Barnes? No, no, Denver, you're, you're totally fit to catch my ho- uh, to be a key receiver for us. Hokor doesn't hate you, and anyway, he's not making the decision alone. She trembled. She stared at him with four sad eyes that had never looked more human. Then you... You also want to trade us. He took a deep breath, let it out slowly, then nodded. Yeah, it's also my decision, Denver. It's what's best for the team. But what have I done to bring about the wrath of Quentin Barnes? Nothing, Quentin said quickly, shaking his head. No, Denver, you and Scarborough both, you are amazing receivers. It's just that we have a hole at right guard, and if we make this trade... My life is over! Denver screamed. She shook violently, every inch of her clear skin shivering. I am not worthy of catching the holy passes. Oh, my Quentin Bonds, why have you abandoned me? Denver, it's not like that. Really, you just... His voice trailed off as Denver started sprinting and jumping around the room, throwing herself into walls and furniture. Scarborough rose again, briefly, looked at Quentin with her four eye stalks, seemed to register his presence, then fell flat a third time. Quentin Bonds! Quentin Bonds! Quentin Bonds! Denver sprinted around the room at top speed. Quentin Bonds! Quentin Bonds! They were devastated. He had done this to them. They would both flourish in the Jupiter Jacks Pass Happy System, yet Quentin had never felt so low in all his life. The apartment door opened. The other Scalorno members of the Krakens rushed into the room, running to Scarborough, catching Denver and dragging her down, holding her still. There was much screaming, squealing, and crying. It reminded Quentin of a funeral back on McCovey, of blue-clad mothers wailing in anguish over lost sons and daughters. He felt a tug at his left sleeve. He looked down to see Coach Hokor. Haywick called me down here, Hokor said. She knew what was happening when you sent the rest of them out of the room. Quentin looked back at the wailing pile of Sklorno. Coach, what do I do? This is just crazy. Just leave, Barnes. The Sklorno have to grieve. Grieve? But but it's just a trade. They still get to play. Barnes, do you believe in your high one? He nodded, unable to take his eyes off Denver and Scarborough. Yeah, of course. What if your imaginary friend, excuse me, what if your god came down from the sky and told you he was ashamed of you? He was banishing you to some other galaxy so he would never have to see you again. But coach, you and I... We're not gods. Hokor pointed a petty palp at the Sklorno. To them, we are. That's crazy. 
Defining it as crazy doesn't make it any less true, Barnes. Now come on, leave them be. Quentin took one more look at his teammates, both current and newly former. No, it didn't look like the grief of a funeral. It looked worse than that. Heart heavy with regret, he followed Hokor out of the apartment. Maybe they shouldn't have made the trade. Football was the most important thing, and the franchise was the focal point of all things football, but such anguish, such heartbreak. Denver and Scarborough would never fully recover, and for that, Quentin had no one to blame but himself. In the climate-ravaged world of 2072, the city of Pura stands as a miraculous green haven. Pura is a geoengineered paradise that protects its fortunate residents from the global catastrophes of heat domes, fires, floods, and droughts. In a time when the world outside is unsafe, it's vital for Pura's existence that people rally behind the purpose of the city, and Demetria Lopez, head of the city's public relations, tirelessly promotes its idyllic image. But when she stumbles on a dark secret that, if exposed, would be the downfall of Pura's existence, she must decide who and what she's willing to protect. From Wondery, the makers of Academy and Dr. Death, The Last City stars actors Ray Seahorn, Jeannie Tirado, and Maury Sterling. Follow The Last City on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of The Last City early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Quentin stood in the docking bay, waiting for the visiting shuttle to open its side door. The orange and black Kraken shuttle had left, ferrying Denver and Scarborough out to the Jupiter Jacks team bus just to click away. Parked in its place was the gold, silver, and copper-colored Jacks shuttle. As with any event welcoming a new player, most of the team stood in the docking bay. This time, there were more key than normal. The entire offensive line writhed in a big ball some 20 feet to Quentin's right. Yasud walked up and stood next to Quentin. Sorry to see Denver and Scars go, he said, but I ain't gonna lie to you, Q. It's about time we got some blocking. Quentin sighed and nodded. While Yasud was correct, the blocking had been horrible on the right side of the line, sometimes a running back had to create, had to make something out of nothing. If that was a talent Yasud had, he had yet to show it. The shuttle's side door lowered slowly to rest on the docking bay deck. Moments later, Quentin saw a man walk out. Whoa, Yasud said. I mean, whoa. Quentin played professional football, and as such, he had ample experience being around some of the biggest sentients in existence. Alexander Michnik and Ibrahim Khomeini, the Kraken's starting defensive ends, were both giant blocks of flesh at 525 pounds and nearly 7 feet tall. Those two were big even by heavy G standards, but this man... 
Quentin had trouble getting his head around what he saw. Michael Kimberlin had to duck a little to step out of the shuttle, and when his huge feet clonked down the ramp, the sound echoed through the landing bay. His feet were the size of Quentin's whole foreleg, and his forelegs were the size of Quentin's thighs. Kimberlin reached the deck and just stood there. He wore a satiny Jupiter Jacks team jacket, copper-colored body, sleeves and silver with gold piping. On his right breast, the Jacks logo, a black-lined, eight-pointed gold and silver star with a black letter J in the middle. He had a big silver and gold duffel bag slung over his shoulder. Hey, Q, Yasud whispered. Fifty bucks says that guy is over 600 pounds. No bet, Quentin said. I know you looked it up. And how would you know I did that? Because if you don't know the answer, you bet 20. If you know, you bet 50. Yasud looked at him. I have a tell? Quentin nodded. Damn. Kimberlin weighs 615. Quentin stepped forward and had to look up. This man, this massive heavy G-man, was a full foot taller. Quentin actually felt small. He extended his hand. I'm Quentin Barnes. Kimberlin adjusted the duffel bag and shook Quentin's hand. Ah, the boy wonder. You ready to get some work done? I'm ready to be able to stand up and throw the ball. You just make sure that when I give you that time, and I will, that you complete those passes. Quentin looked down at his hand, which had vanished inside Kimberlin's, and wondered, Is this what normal people feel like when they meet me? He looked up again. I have to say, you're the biggest human being I've ever seen. Kimberlin's eyes narrowed. How about you watch what you call me, Quentin? We homo pondus are not human. Sorry, Quentin said. The heavy G were always so sensitive about their race. Don't worry about it. After you meet the team, I'm happy to show you your quarters. Kimberlin smiled. I'm offensive line, Quentin. I sleep where the offensive line sleeps. The big man stepped past Quentin. Kimberlin quickly and politely met all that wanted to greet him. Nothing more than a smile, a handshake, and a nod. When he finished, he walked to the pile of key offensive linemen. Most people, including Quentin, would have stopped about three feet from the pile. Kimberlin did not stop. He dropped his bag and walked into the pile, letting his body lean up against the key. Quentin saw a few limbs touch Kimberlin, then heard a strange, unified grunting from the masses of vocal tubes. The key ball broke up into individuals that scuttled out of the docking bay, Kimberlin walking with them. That is nasty, Yasud said. He's going to sleep in the key jungle? That is disgusting. That's unity, Quentin said. It's what we need, Sud. Maybe that's what you need. Me? I need a beer. No, what you need is to practice. I'm going to the VR room to run routes with the Awa sisters. Halal is our new number three receiver, and I have to get her up to speed. Come on, join us. Yasud stared at him. We just finished team practice, man, and you want to go work out some more? Forget it. Yasud walked out of the docking bay. Quentin waved at the Awa sisters. They ran to him, not as crazy and dutifully as Denver would have been, but Quentin had a feeling it wouldn't be long before they exhibited similar behavior. You ladies ready? Neither sister shivered or shook, but twitching eye stalks betrayed their excitement. The three of them headed for the VR room.
GFL Week 4 Roundup, courtesy of Galaxy Sports Network. With the season one-third complete, the Tow Pirates are making a bold statement that this is the year for the sixth GFL championship. The Pirates, 4-0, doubled up on the Ionath Krakens, 1-3, by a score of 42-21 to remain undefeated. But the Pirates aren't alone in lossless land. Dachau moved to 4-0 with a win over the Jang Adam Smashers, 1-3, and the Isis Ice Storm, who are 3-0, stayed perfect coming out of their bye week thanks to a 31-0 dropping of the Thamela Dreadnoughts, who are 1-3. New Rodina, 3-1, suffered its first loss at the hands of the Yaw Criminals, who are 2-2. Two two. The Lou Juggernauts, 2-1, also put their first in the loss column, falling 17-14 in overtime to Coronada Delana. At the bottom of the Solar Division, only two winless teams remain, Vivek Vanguard at 0-3 and the Chillich Spider Bears at 0-3. Deaths. Chillich Spider Bears quarterback Jason Houghton and Nelson McClintock, both of whom died on clean hits from Salah Intrigue defensive tackle Goom Arpin. This is the first time in the history of the GFL that one player has killed two members of another team in the same game. Ionath Kraken's right guard Akhenatak killed on a clean hit from Toll Pirates linebacker Bob Merrill. More news out of Ionath. GFL Commissioner Rob Frost ruled that Shora Warlord's cornerback Hunter Town's death was a clean hit delivered by Kraken's wide receiver, Halawa. Offensive player of the week. Cloud Killers kicker Shiki Will, who was 5 for 5 in field goal attempts, hitting from 54, 53, 48, 37, and 14. Defensive player of the week. Ryan Nosek, defensive end for the Isis Ice Storm, who had three sacks on Thamela quarterback Gavin Warren. You have been listening to The Starter, Season 3 of the Galactic Football League Series. Written and performed by Scott Sigler. Produced by Ariok Morningstar with post-production by Steve Rickyberg. For more information on Scott and more free stories, go to scottsigler.com. Theme music is the song The Kids Are Coming For You by the band Superweapon. Superweaponband.com Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.